Portions of Audrey Hale's manifesto, the transgender shooter who targeted a Christian school in Nashville, ultimately killing six, have been released. And the few pages unveiled so far have sparked a media firestorm, but not over the clarification of the shooter's racially motivated targeting of white American children, but over the release of the documents themselves, or I guess the leak of them, and the reality that is now being confirmed via this leak. We'll be touching on that today, and we'll also be touching on Biden completely tanking in the polls a year out from the 2024 election, the continued political persecution of his competitor Donald Trump, and the anti-American sentiment that continues to ravage and divide our nation. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. It's been a while since I have been with you guys, so thank you as always for being patient with me and for joining me today as we delve into the complete insanity that is America in 2023, because what is going on? On our American streets. Now, we always know that in the lead up to the election, things get a little bit crazy. And we're already seeing that in full force, starting off with the release of this manifesto. Now, before we start off with this, because I will be reading excerpts from it, showing it on screen, YouTube has already censored this. It was Steven Crowder who initially released this. And YouTube uh, immediately went in and was like, yeah, we're going to go ahead and take this off of our platform. So before we delve into the show, please remember, you can follow me on Rumble. The link is down below. Because Every single election cycle, this really fun thing starts to happen in which truth and various news stories start getting censored ahead of us needing to elect a new president. Let's not forget what happened um, in 2020 with the New York Post being censored on Twitter and not being able to report on the Hunter Biden story. That was kind of a big thing, right? So um, go follow one Rumble. Link is down below just in case. If you guys don't hear from me from, for a week, you know, no community updates, nothing like that. It is because, and the live stream is gone, it is because YouTube is censoring this specific topic. So just to be safe, check that out down there. Also to um, some of the best ways to support the show and just big shout out to all of you who always support me and are patient with me. Um, wanted to give a huge thank you to all of the subscribers on Subscribe Star. You guys really help keep this show running. That is one of the uh, easiest ways to support the show. Link to that is down below, or you guys can go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show as well. The link down below didn't work for a long time, but it actually does now. If you leave a, a review, it helps us grow in the charts, and I also read every single one. So thank you to all of you for taking time out of your day to uh, help me keep fighting and pushing forward by uh, leaving kind words or even critiques. I appreciate all of it. Finally, remember that you can follow me on SavSaysOfficial.com where you can find all of my articles and latest videos. And now that we are done plugging all of that, because I don't want to keep you guys too long with this, there's a lot of news to get to. Let's jump straight into the exclusive access to the Nashville Covenant Shooters Manifesto. Now, these were three pages of documents that were really Released by again YouTuber Steven Crowder yesterday morning, and it ignited a complete media firestorm. Okay, I'm not even going to get into what is in the documents. I'm sure many of you have already seen what is in this. It's been the top story for about the past 24 hours. It went viral, it was trending on Twitter, and of course, the censorship immediately ensued. But just a quick run through and um. Just a quick update again on what happened back in Nashville, because this happened in March of this year. OK, so it has been, what, eight months at this point 
And this manifesto was not released by our own government officials. This uh, this manifesto was not released by the FBI. It was up to a YouTuber. It was up to an independent journalist to release this information to the public. Now, many people have noted that typically a manifesto of a mass shooter would be released within 48 hours. So why why the discrepancy with this? Why is it that we weren't able to get access to this? I think you guys know the answer as to why, but uh, a little recap and a reminder of what happened back in March, because similar to every other story, this got memory hold, similar to other mass shootings that don't match up with that uh, approved gun control narrative that uh, Democrat politicians love to latch on to. This one kind of got pushed to the side because it was a transgender shooter. Let's not forget Audrey Hale, okay? So Audrey Hill was a, a transgender 28 year old. All right. So this was a girl who thought she was a boy who went by the name of Aiden Hale. But her, her real name is Audrey Hale. She went to the Covenant School on March 27, 2023 in Green Hills, Tennessee, killing six before being shot and killed by responding police officers. Three of those were white Christian children. And then the other three were members of the school. Um, I believe one was an assistant principal, uh, employees of the school. The manifesto detailed thoughts Hale had leading up to what was referred to as death day, as well as a timeline in which the shooting would take place. Uh, Audrey is quoted saying, can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm ready. I hope my victims aren't. I hope I have a high death count. Kill those kids. Now, this bottom portion is the, the part of the narrative in which I can only assume is why this manifesto is being censored. So I'm going to, if you guys haven't read this quite yet, save that here and we'll get into it here in a moment. Uh, because the firestorm that ensued after this release was not, of course, the Biden administration maybe coming forward and saying, we condemn this, this is horrific, we need to get to the bottom as to why we have a mental health crisis in this country. Uh, no, similar to... Any narrative, again, that doesn't go along with a specific political ideology, it has been completely ignored by our mainstream media, by our highest uh, government officials, and most importantly, by our own media and intelligence agencies, right? We're focusing in on the FBI here. Now, many people questioning why they never released it. Yesterday, after the release of these three documents, because many people in journalism typically will speculate as to whether or not these pages were authentic, right? People reached out. Uh, these were members of the Daily Wire who reached out to the FBI and said, hey, um, do you guys want to comment on whether or not these are legitimate pages from the manifesto? Do you guys want to corroborate whether or not this is real? The FBI refused to comment. This comes from Greg, who is a, an employee for the Daily the Wire. And says, while the FBI refuses to comment in any way on the Nashville shooters leaked anti-white manifesto or why they tried to hide it. The FBI responding, as this matter is being addressed by the courts, the FBI will not be commenting on the reported documents. So they wouldn't confirm or deny whether or not they were real at first. And then you had, um, you know, various other journalists reaching out to organizations like Nashville PD, who refused to confirm whether or not the manifesto was legit. Now, I wanted to bring this up because... This is a quote tweet from uh, Mary Margaret Olihan, who works for the Daily Signal. She's a great reporter as well. And she quote tweeted Stephen Crowder's original post of those three documents. And as you can see here on Twitter, it says the post is unavailable. And when I was getting the show ready, I said, oh, that's weird. What was she quote tweeting? And she was quote tweeting 
Crowder's photos of the manifesto, which are still up, but when other people share it on Twitter, it is showing as unavailable. Again, this has gotten over 20 million impressions because many people had a lot of questions surrounding the reasoning as to why this transgender shooter went and targeted a uh, Christian school, which again, we'll get into in a moment. So you have the FBI who uh, refused to confirm whether or not these documents were authentic. You had Nashville PD that were also trying to cover it up. You have local news stations. Um, This is a uh, Nashville local news station who says multiple sources have told me that the selective leak of three pages of the Covenant School Shooting Manifesto is extremely misleading. Okay, so here was the media immediately trying to jump on this narrative and say, oh, it's misleading. We need more information surrounding it. It's like, oh, okay, great. Uh, It'd be awesome if the FBI would give us more information surrounding the uh, manifesto, surrounding the thought process or the thinking as to why this shooter went and committed this horrific act. Uh, Phil Williams of, again, this local station says, people who have read the whole thing say there's something in there for everybody. Another, she hated everyone. So, uh. He goes on to say, this is why journalism organizations have argued for the release of the shooter's writings. So the conversation can be based on facts, not someone's spin. So now releasing confirmed documents of a mass shooter's writing and her reasoning as to why she committed an atrocious act is being debated by journalists behind the scenes. And why is that? I think we see it point blank right here because it's journalism organizations who want to be able to control what the public thinks about this situation. Now, it's not only that, right? You also have the mayor of Nashville who launched an investigation into, again, uh, you know, not the not the reasoning behind the shooter or the uh, argument of releasing this manifesto to the public, but the leak of the manifesto. So you have the Nashville mayor as well, immediately coming in and trying to do damage control. And uh, his statement was really interesting, too, because he said that the investigation may involve local, state and federal authorities. So we now have a local mayor trying to get federal authorities involved to investigate what I would assume is Stephen Crowder or investigative journalist or whoever leaked these documents to the public so that we could have access to um, the reasoning behind this person's horrific act, which, again, is something that we should probably be aware of because we'll get into it here in a moment. And um, we, we will see a lot of that horrific ideology that has led our country to the point where white American children were targeted because that is what happened in this situation. On top of that, um, the Nashville Police Department didn't come out today and they said that they confirmed the authenticity of these couple of pages of the manifesto Um, but again they are really trying to hound home how greatly disturbed they are at the unauthorized release of these pages and that was something that the mayor said too he was like well for the family's sake we didn't want to release this because we didn't want them to have to relive this trauma and then the police department they're extremely serious about the investigation to identify the person responsible for again what telling the american people the truth about what's been going on And then 
You have um, YouTube that has removed the reporting on trans Nashville school shooter manifesto, claiming there's a violation of violent criminal organization policy. So YouTube removing information about this. You have Facebook that immediately censored the Nashville school shooter manifesto, saying that the post goes against community standards on violence and incitement. Google was censoring the manifesto. If you looked it up in live time, Google put out their warning of, oh, well, uh, the results are changing very quickly. So we really don't know what we should and shouldn't show you on this situation. So you could see the full force of big tech yesterday trying to suppress this story. Now let's get into why that might be. And again, for those of you who are just joining, the Rumble link is down below just in case YouTube decides that we're not allowed to talk about this subject. Like I said, we're officially a year out from uh, election season 2024 and censorship always ran up. And this is going to be an important talking point ahead of 2024, because let's not forget what happens every single time there is a mass shooting. Our own government officials, specifically Democrats, always utilize that to try and take away our Second Amendment rights. They will literally show you a person, a crazy person, who went and shot people up and then try to use that and you as an argument as to why you shouldn't have guns. Like, wow, look at this insane person who was on an FBI watch list that we probably should have uh, taken care of or, you know, maybe had eyes on, but we really didn't care about that we let go and kill little Christian white children in America. We're now going to use this story to take away your Second Amendment right and tell you that you have no right to defend yourself while simultaneously not protecting you from these people. Oh, and... um. Yeah, by the way, we're also going to suppress the transgender ideology, the mental illness, the psychotropic drugs that this person was involved with. We're going to go ahead and hide all of that from the public as well. So here are the couple of pages from this manifesto, okay? And these, this is why it was suppressed, because the reality of this is that this transgender individual went and targeted white American children for their skin tone. Quoted saying, want to kill all you little crackers. I hope I have a high death count. Um, talks about white privilege and how um, she wanted to target these private fancy schools filled with crackers because these kids wear their fancy uh, sports backpacks. They ride in their daddy's Mustangs and convertibles. She says, F you. Um, F you and your mop yellow hair. And then again, specifically highlights white privilege here. So when I read this again, and people don't like it, it was really interesting to me too, because people in the right wing were like, oh, we shouldn't reverse the races here. But I do like to take that parallel, right? So we can just always see a very black and white understanding of just how much our own media warps reality, right? Because, for example, and many people were highlighting how white supremacy has been at the forefront of the Biden administration and fighting white supremacy and calling out white Americans and calling out MAGA extremism and targeting a huge subset of the population for their skin tone has been a huge talking point for the Biden administration. So if we look at this story, who, again, the mainstream media is not going to be covering in detail because... They would have to tell the truth about how a mentally ill transgender individual targeted white children for the color of their skin. 
If we look at the story and reverse that and say, yeah, Donald Trump used his platform to radicalize an individual to go and target a school full of black children and that said person killed them on the basis of their race, it would be national news. And I know we don't like doing the whataboutisms, but I really like to, again, draw those comparisons just so we can fully understand how much control the media has over the current narrative. So point blank, that's what this shooting was about. It was about a transgender individual who, again, is the... potentially was already on an FBI watch list. Like I said, we we see that time and time again, that the FBI already had their eye on these types of people and they just didn't do anything. And then they went and they committed mass shootings and our politicians weaponized that to push more gun control measures on us while simultaneously ignoring the drugs that these people are on while simultaneously ignoring the ideology that is being pushed on these already high-risk individuals because we know that the transgender youth in this country or even kids that are being targeted with this ideology they're just they're already very vulnerable they're already very at risk and we can see how easily it this can be weaponized and we have seen how easily this has been weaponized and how easily these kids have been radicalized via by the way our government funded education systems well taxpayer funded but our government controlled education systems so interesting to see how it all works. A uh, reminder as well, this comes from Oren McIntyre, who says, uh, after the Covenant school shooting, there was a massive outpouring of support for the trans community. Christian parents were told they had it coming because they didn't want their kids groomed in school. Protests were held to support the shooter. He says Madonna announced a benefit concert, not for the vic- victims, but for the community the shooter identified with. And then Joe Biden came out and called trans kids the soul of the nation. And remember, he was cracking jokes as well. The, I believe it was the day of or the morning after this horrific shooting happened. He immediately came out and started joking about ice cream. So just to give you guys a reminder that our own government hates us and genuinely does not care at the core about keeping us protected, telling us the truth about what's going on in our own country. And it's just horrific to me. Matt Walsh says the government never had any right to keep the trans shooter manifesto a secret. What gives them the authority to make that kind of determination? When children are massacred, the community has the right to know exactly what happened and why, which is why many people were arguing for that manifesto to be released. Because if there is a very sinister ideology that our youth are being targeted with that is radicalizing the youth to go commit mass shootings if there is a sinister ideology in which the youth are being brainwashed with i think the american public and more specifically parents deserve to know Um, like i've been already highlighting my take on the situation was the fbi didn't want us to see the nashville trans shooters manifesto because they didn't want us to see how effective the government's agenda of radicalizing mentally ill youth to push gun control and kill white americans has been we're going to i'm going to drive home the point that it is white american citizens who are being targeted because like i said over the past couple of years and many people have highlighted as well. I wasn't paying attention to politics during this time, but a lot of people talked about how under Obama's presidency and administration, race relations got really, really bad. And then we even saw how the media perpetuated that under Donald Trump and how Joe Biden got back into office and 
white supremacy has been at the forefront of his fight when, to be quite honest with you guys, it's not that big of an issue in this country. I really wouldn't even say it's a top 10 issue in this country. The Biden administration tries to say all day, every day that we need to be worried about white supremacy, that we need to be concerned about the KKK walking around our streets and lynching people. When you know what we should be concerned about? The fact that our border is wide open. We have terrorists, terrorists walking over every single day. The fact that our economy is tanking. The fact that we are being catapulted toward World War III, and it is the government officials in power that are going to profit off of that. And it is your daughters and sons that are going to have to pay for that war and whose lives are going to be lost. That's what we should be focused in on and worried about, not white supremacy. It's this fake boogeyman that this administration continues to push on us to keep us divided, to keep us fighting, and to keep us distracted from the realities of what we are really being attacked with. I always say this, that the American government is the biggest and greatest enemy to the American people because they are truly working against our own interests. They're working against our own safety. And I think we can see that with the fact that Biden's DOJ, because let's not forget that the Department of Justice oversees the FBI, instead of releasing the manifesto, instead of trying to make sure that our actual nation is secure, instead focuses in on targeting the January 6thers who were walking peacefully um, through the Capitol building on January 6th. They've utilized their time and their energy to target American citizens who have pushed back against their government narrative to imprison them. Look at what is happening to Donald Trump right now as well. We will be getting into all of that here in a moment. But again, just to highlight what has been going on with parents via this transgender ideology because understand how we are being attacked from all angles here, right? We're not only being attacked uh, economically, politically, socially, but also culturally and with our children. Parental rights are very much under attack right now. And the transgender ideology that has been pushed by our government via the education system is very much tied to that. Now, this is the story of Adam Zena. And again, we're going to jump from, you know, the manifesto into this greater issue here just to show you like why the government has to protect this ideology, right? Why they can't expose how sinister it actually is. Uh, because if they did, we would all be absolutely mortified and say, hey, we should probably put a stop to that. Because it's not enough that doctors are chopping off the healthy body parts of young uh, little children. It's not enough that teachers are targeting these kids and teaching them that the truth is a lie and that their bodies are wrong, that's not enough. But also, again, like, I genuinely feel like in regards to the, the transgenderism issue, the government has really utilized this to take away parental rights, to come in and subvert that next generation, create a subservient population, or create an entire radicalized generation that is essentially the militant wing of the Democrat Party that is activated and very, very violent every single election year. So let's talk about Adam Vina real quick. This story was brought to my attention um, of Adam Vina, who was a father who lost custody of his five-year-old son, Aiden. Now, I spoke to this father, and he told me that at the young age of two, the mother of his child decided to start dressing Aiden in girls' clothes. Okay, two years old. And then the mom decided by the time he was four that he was transgender. 
Adam objected to this. And what happens? Because he lived in California, the courts completely revoked his parental rights, and he is currently being faced with a five-year restraining order, and he has no access to his son's medical records. On top of that, California law does state that a court under existing law is required to consider a child's health, safety, and welfare when determining the best interests of a child in these proceedings, including the parent's affirmation to the child's gender identity. Now, I want to focus in on this part because there was a bill, an assembly bill, Bill AB 957 in California that many people on the right wing were cheering because it got vetoed, right? Now, this initial bill was introduced to say that affirming a child's gender has to be taken into consideration when giving custody of a par- uh, custody to a parent uh, in these legal proceedings in California. If you don't affirm your child's gender, your ability to have custody of your kid immediately revoked. Now, Gavin Newsom vetoed that bill, and a lot of people in the right wing were commenting on my story, and they were saying, oh, Sav, I think you're referring to AB 957, and that was struck down. Really, because in Gavin Newsom's own veto, this is the direct quote that I pulled. And this is also the problem with people in the right wing, is that we see these little PR victories, right? Because the reason why Gavin Newsom vetoed this bill is because it's already instituted in California law. And again, this is just to highlight how corrupt our judicial system is. From every single angle, whether it's parental rights, your freedom of speech, your right to a free and fair trial or, you know, an impartial jury, it's so corrupted from all angles. This is the, the quote that I just read about how courts in California are already required to take a child's uh, gender identity and the parent's affirmation of that into consideration was written into Gavin Newsom's veto. So he basically said, well, I don't need to sign this bill because it, we don't need to make it that blatant that this is exactly what we're already doing. So if you're a parent in California, take your child and get out of that state. Because if it isn't a spouse or a girlfriend or a family member that is going to try to indoctrinate your child with this ideology and take them away, it could very well be the, again, government education system that is continuously trying to indoctrinate the youth and radicalize them with this ideology. So, uh, yeah, this was a very heartbreaking story to report on. Um, but reality of what is happening and how, again, our own government has utilized this type of ideology against the American parent and why we should all be very aware of what is going on in our cities and in our states. Um, Another video that was circulating as well, just to, again, highlight how out of control everything is in regards to transgenderism. And this this video was circulating, and this is the ideology that is being pushed by our government. Now, what you're seeing in this video is a man who is very clearly a man getting upset that people are calling him a sir in this video. Right. Uh, So it's a dude with a very deep voice. I'm going to actually play you the video here in a moment just to give you an idea of how ridiculous this is. But again, from a common sense perspective, this is the type of person that the government is protecting. Right. This is the type of government that the or the type of person that our government has shielded from any type of criticism. And from a biblical standpoint, too. Uh, If you read about the Bible, if you read in, um, you know, many New Testament books, it talks about how like in the end times, you won't even be able to believe your own eyes and ears because the truth will be inverted, essentially. And that is what we are currently living through. If you're not religious here, um, 
I mean, I think even you would have a hard time arguing that this isn't happening when we have men that are infiltrating women's sports, when we have uh, this intense issue continuously happening. So let me play you this video because, again, uh, let me just highlight the ideology and the people that the government are not only protecting but prioritizing and giving a pedestal to and giving power to in this country. Can you call me, sir? I, I just want to tell you that the person who gave me this called me, sir. Call me, sir. Oh. It's just like, it kind of just hurts a lot to get called, sir. It hurts more though, and it's not intentional because it means like this, did, this is sir to him. I know you didn't mean it, but I'm not a sir. I'm so sorry. It's okay. I know you didn't mean it. It's just, you know, it hurts. I know when people clock me, it's, it's fine, but like, it does kind of hurt. Thank you. I'm not, sir. Not, sir. Not, sir. But the guy who dropped the, the, the food off, he called me, sir, twice in a row. Yeah. So, <clears throat> that is who, again, our government, Biden's DOJ, by the way, going back to that manifesto, that is who Joe Biden's Department of Justice not only prioritizes, but protects from any type of criticism, from any type of rebuke, from any type of pushback, from the average American public who genuinely, from a common sense perspective, says this is a dangerous ideology because what you're trying to force us to do here is basically say that truth is a lie. And we're not going to do that. We're this is a dangerous ideology. And again, it has been used to radicalize people. I'm all for freedom of speech. So sure, allow this ideology. <laughs> to be spread, but also allow people to combat it and to speak out against it. But the problem right now is that we have a two-tier justice system in which you have our DOJ and FBI protecting this type of mindset and mentality. And what you see in this video is a legitimate mental illness, point blank. And then who are the American citizens that are being targeted? Like I said, it is the backbone of America. It is your average everyday person that genuinely just wants to be able to afford to live, afford to pay rent, afford to buy groceries, who doesn't want to see their border overrun, who doesn't want to see us get into another world war, who genuinely just wants common decency. But the president that we have in power is too busy talking about this all day. And we won't ignore what our intelligence agencies have determined to be the most lethal terrorist threat to the homeland today. White supremacy is terrorism. And white supremacists will not have the last word. And this venom and violence cannot be the story of our time. Enough of us have the guts and the hearts to st stand up. Stand up against the poison of white supremacy as I did my inaugural address to a single out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland is white supremacy. According to the United States intelligence community, domestic terrorism from white supremacists is the most lethal terrorist threat in the homeland. White supremacy is a poison. It's a poison <laughs> running through. It really is. 
Okay, so that's what's been at the forefront for this administration, right? And again, too, let's not forget that this has been Joe Biden's own rhetoric. And now you had a shooter that targeted American children for their skin tone. But the media is never going to put two and two together with that. The media is never going to talk about how there is a, a very big movement in our own country in which the younger generation has been taught that, oh, well, black people can't be racist towards white people. So black people can call white people subhuman and tell them that they're horrific and that they're slave owners and that they're Nazis and bigots. And we can hold insults at them all day and we can dehumanize them all day because they're inherently bad and they deserve to die. And you could genuinely have that type of mentality on the streets of America. And it would be very widely accepted, especially on an American university or in American colleges, which again are like government institutions, like our, our, our uh, education system very much directly tied to the thought process of this next generation. And we are seeing the radicalization. We are seeing the continued push for division. And like I said, that's one aspect of this. The other aspect is that we have the Biden administration, like continuously just crapping on white Americans, uh, continuously targeting Americans who just want to have their fundamental rights and freedoms while protecting the very people who are trying to take those away from us, uh, a.k.a. right anybody in the trans cult, uh, because one of the foundations of the trans cult is like telling people what they can and can't do and what they can and can't say like i played in that video oh don't call me sir you don't have to call me ma'am but don't call me sir these people are so entitled and it's been ingrained in their head that they have power over other people that they can tell us what to do that they can tell us what to think and it, you might look at this and be like oh uh yeah it's just it's it's nothing that we need to be worried about. It's just trans people that just want to be loved and accepted. But no, you need to understand that this is like a psychological warfare that is being waged against people that is wearing us down to slowly think that it's okay for other people to tell us what we can think and say and what we can. And it, yeah, again, like a, an attack on our First Amendment rights, right? Like, oh, uh, you're allowed to say this. You're not allowed to say that. You're allowed to think this. You're not allowed to think that. Um, and then that bleeds into various other aspects of of our life. Now, back to Joe Biden and his uh, white supremacy obsession. Uh, let's not forget as well, because he's currently tanking in the polls. Um, one of his other speeches back in uh, Philadelphia, in which he was highlighting how uh, MAGA extremism was this huge issue, how, um, you know, various Republicans were essentially domestic terrorists. And why is that? Because they pushed back against the approved government narrative. And what is the approved government narrative? You can hate white people. Um, you have to be anti-American. If you want to take away people's guns, if you want to take away people's First Amendment, if you want to take people's fundamental rights away, then you're on our side and you're good to go. But if you push back against any of that, then what happens is you're going to end up like all of the January Sixers, which let's get into that here in a moment, because um, uh, like I said, this was reported just this past week. Top strategists say that Biden doesn't have the numbers to win re-election. There is no path forward. Now, this is coming from veteran political strategists um, who are referencing a New York Times survey 
that showed that Joe Biden is currently polling behind Donald Trump. And I truly do feel like one of the reasons why is because they have prioritized all of these just very radical and insane Marxist or socialist ideologies that are just inherently anti-American. And the average citizen is feeling the impact of that. Even those who aren't really politically active can can go to the store and see like, wow, um, Inflation's really bad. Everything's really expensive right now. I can't afford a home. I wonder why that is. And, you know, you look into it a little bit. Maybe you see that we're, uh, what, over $33 trillion in debt, that our debt just continues to climb while simultaneously we have our government pledging billions and billions of dollars to wars overseas, to countries overseas to secure their borders while ours are being overrun. It's It's horrific. And like I said, too, I want to touch on the January Sixers because the truth that this government doesn't want you to realize, and one of the reasons why I opened up with the amount of censorship that was utilized against this manifesto yesterday is because, again, our government does not want you to see what their time, energy, and resources are going to, right? They don't want you to see the fact that they have spent the last eight months suppressing the manifesto of a transgender individual who targeted Americans because they were white. They want you to see that they have been trying to stop domestic terrorism, a.k.a. the January Sixers, which, again, peacefully protested. The I was there. The majority of them were there just peacefully protesting. They were let into the Capitol by Capitol Police. They're nonviolent, and they're sitting in jail. The government has had great control over that narrative because of the big tech censorship. And now that Elon Musk spent $44 billion so we could have a platform in which we could actually report what was going on, the narrative publicly is starting to shift and people are starting to see how out of control the balance of power is right now so uh again just a reminder of what is happening and what will happen to you by the way if you continue to push back against the government in power right now because they are very authoritarian right it's authoritarian to throw people in jail if they disagree with you politically. Let's not forget that Enrique Tarrio was sentenced to 22 years in jail, despite not even being in D.C. on January 6th. That Joe Biggs was sentenced to 17 years in jail for shaking a Capitol fence. That the Proud Boys were convicted of conspiracy, despite the court admitting that the Proud Boys had no plan to storm the Capitol. That there were four known suicides of peaceful January 6th defendants after federal agents targeted and threatened these people with jail time for nonviolently walking through the Capitol. Let's not forget that there have been Americans who have had their homes raided by the feds because they spoke out against this government. I really want to drive home how serious this issue is because... You say, oh, well, it's not happening to me today. The January Sixers were in the wrong. They shouldn't have done that. And again, what did they do? Fundamentally, what did these people do? We'll talk about Owen Troyer here in a moment as well, who's currently sitting in jail for 60 days. He was thrown in solitary confinement for the first week because of COVID protocols, because that's another psyop that we all had to live through and figure out uh, you know, all of the complete propaganda and lies about. Thrown back into solitary confinement because he put out a statement from jail and people on the left will argue well you're not allowed to do that it's against the rules okay so 
what happens when the government says, well, you're not allowed to speak out against us. It's against the rules. What happens at that point? And that's why we say we really need to drive home what is happening here, because yesterday it was Alex Jones being targeted by an unjust judicial system. Then it was Donald Trump. And like Donald Trump famously said, they're after you. I'm just in the way. We'll be going over what's happening with Donald Trump's case in New York as well, because the blatant impartiality of these people is so horrific and we should be very fearful of where our justice system is currently at. I don't even think I can call it that at this point. Let's not forget as well of Vivek Ramaswamy, my sister back in September. Uh, America now has a two-tier justice system. Antifa and BLM riders roam free while peaceful January 6th protesters are imprisoned without bill. Let's go ahead and uh, revamp that for the modern day. Okay, yeah, transgender uh, shooters are targeting white Americans and our own FBI is suppressing that information um, while simultaneously uh, working to imprison other white Americans who have spoken out against the, the same corruption of that FBI and DOJ. Just, it's, it's interesting where we're currently yet. Uh, like I said, regarding Owen Schroyer and his own case, he is facing upwards of 30 days in solitary confinement. He had put out a statement on Twitter, basically thanking people for the support, for the love, and he now may be sitting in jail for upwards of 30 days for doing so. Now, Matt Gates has been at the forefront. Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene have been at the forefront of speaking on behalf of the January 6th defendants, because keep in mind that not every single one of these people is like an Owen Schroyer type, right? Who already had a following, who already had um, a microscope on him, who people were already aware of. There's so many January Sixers who are being unjustly treated, who never got uh, like their, their basic right to a trial, who were just thrown in jail, didn't have an impartial jury. And Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene have been at the forefront of also as well looking at the conditions that they've been thrown in in jail. So here's uh, Matt Gates talking about another January Sixer named John Strand and a little bit about his case. Are you familiar with the matter of John Strand? That name is not familiar to me. Okay, so Mr. Strand was a witness at a hearing that we had uh, regarding some of the civil rights concerns of people who had interacted with the Department of Justice in January six uh, matters. He was convicted, sentenced, and is at FCI Miami. And I had received word that he had been placed into enhanced confinement and into higher acuity, uh, secure, securing uh, as a consequence of information that others had put out on his Twitter feed. What, what I'm worried about is that Mr. Strand gave us testimony about some of his concerns. And, uh, but then thereafter, people were posting on some of his social media platforms his concerns about the treatment he'd received at the Bureau. And then I sent a letter to you concerned about that because like you, I don't want anyone retaliated against for constitutionally protected speech. And, and thereafter, I got a letter back from the aforementioned Office of Legislative Affairs in your office and they say, in part, Mr. Strand was moved to a secure housing unit with increased supervision and frequent employee contact. Have you heard of the matter of Owen Schreyer? No, that name is not familiar to me. Very similar fact pattern. You know, somebody who'd sort of spoken out, was, was prominent in the public, was convicted as a consequence of activities on January 6th, and now feels as though there's specific Bureau of Prison retaliation. 
So there you guys go. Owen's story of being thrown into solitary confinement seems to be a consistent thing that has been happening with January 6th defendants. And uh, by the way, there have been reporters who have been at the forefront because uh, let's keep in mind that these January 6ers have been in jail for a couple of years at this point, and many of them have similar stories that they are thrown into solitary confinement. And typically, solitary is uh, reserved for the worst of the worst, right? Solitary, some might even argue, is a form of torture. And that is what is currently happening to the January Sixers right now. Why? Because they protested against the government, because they didn't agree with the 2020 election. They thought that it was illegitimate, just like Democrats were allowed to express since the dawn of time. But because it is Democrats who are authoritarians and have weaponized our government, weaponized our DOJ, um, instead of trying to make sure that our judicial system is impartial, that these people are actually, uh, you know, getting access to their fundamental rights. It's that same DOJ that is targeting these American citizens and punishing them. And I wouldn't even say to the full force of the law, because I would argue that the way that they're being treated is illegal and unconstitutional. It's that same DOJ that's targeting these people. Uh, let's uh, keep going as well. Douglas Mackey. He was sentenced to seven months in prison after being found guilty of election interference because he made memes about Hillary Clinton. Now, if you guys haven't heard about Douglas Mackey as well, he made memes that were basically like, hey, uh, text this number to cast your vote on election day for Hillary Clinton. And they say that he targeted Clinton supporters. Now, funny thing about his story, there were no victims of his crime. And you had anti-Trumpers who did the exact same thing. And said, hey, text this number if you want to vote for Trump. There were no victims of Mackey's crimes. People on the left wing did the exact same thing. He was sentenced to seven months in jail. People on the left wing, they got off scot-free. That's where we're at in this country. Let's keep going. Now, regarding Donald Trump, uh, there was a trial to remove his name from the ballot in Colorado. Because, again, from and I just like to to lay things out in layman's terms for you guys here, but it's like our government right now, they view the average person as so stupid that we can't make our own decisions, right? About who we should be allowed to vote for for president, which is why they're trying to keep Donald Trump's name off the ballot because they're like, Donald Trump's bad and we care about democracy but also, when we say that, we mean you can vote for who we choose you can vote for. You can think what we want you to think. You can see what we want you to see. You can protest what we want you to protest. But if you want to vote for somebody who is against what we want, we're going to utilize everything in our power to keep you from doing that. So just keep in mind that that's underway in Colorado, that there was a trial to remove his name from the ballot. And then let's not forget about the civil case that is going on between Attorney General Letitia James and Donald Trump right now. Judge in Trump New York fraud trial extends a gag order to Donald Trump's lawyers, says the office has received hundreds of threats since the trial started. Now, want to give you guys just a little uh, rundown of what this trial is about. If you guys are like, oh, is this one of the four indictments? No, this isn't even one of four 
of Donald Trump's indictments. This is a civil case, uh, which many people have questioned. Who who were the victims of this? There's no victims of this. There's not even a jury involved in this. It was the attorney general who brought forward these charges. And then there is a judge who is overseeing this case. And then the judge basically gets to decide if Donald Trump is uh, guilty or not. So uh, let me see if I can find because uh, CNBC in this article kind of gave a really good uh, quick analysis of what this is about. Okay. Mm. Actually, we'll just go ahead and read the whole story so you guys can understand the gag order. Um, A New York judge ruled Friday that a limited gag order on Donald Trump should also apply to his attorneys, citing their remarks about his staff and the deluge of threats and harassment directed at the office. Um, the threat of an actual violence resulting from heated political rhetoric is well documented. Manhattan Supreme Court Judge Arthur Engeron wrote in a fiery court order Friday afternoon. By the way, this is the judge that gets to decide if Donald Trump is uh, guilty or not. My chambers have been inundated with hundreds of harassing and threatening phone calls, voicemails, emails, letters, and packages, he shared. And then... He goes on to say the First Amendment right of defendants and their attorneys to comment on my staff is far and away outweighed by the need to protect them from threats and physical harm. I thought that this was really interesting here um, that this judge is trying to argue that. Again, um, them not being criticized far outweighs uh, Donald Trump and his attorney's First Amendment rights. Because let's keep in mind, too, when it comes to threats and harassment, the very basic criticism of these people is what they deem as threats of violence. Let's not forget that. That also, if you go back to the transgender ideology, has been another way that they weaponized any type of criticism. You criticize the transgender ideology, that's violence. Oh, you criticize this judge, uh, or you criticize the attorney general for not being um, unbiased in this, that's violence. You can't criticize us. That's harassment. And we'll get into the attorney general here in a moment as well, because y'all might be like, well, what did Donald Trump do in this case? Um, Maybe he deserves to to be gagged. Maybe he deserves to be uh, fined because Trump had apparently violated this gag order twice already. And in fines were imposed first of $5,000 and then uh, $10,000. And again, this just surrounds uh, two of Trump's lawyers. Uh, Let's see. So apparently one of his law clerks, this judge and the law clerk like pass notes one to another to communicate and Trump's attorneys and lawyers were like, Hey, like we feel like there's some conspiracy there. It doesn't look like, um, what did they say here? Okay, yeah, this is just absolutely amazing, this portion. So the clerk sits to Engeron's right opposite the witness box, passing written notes, allows them to communicate without disrupting the proceedings. Uh, Nonetheless, one of uh, Trump's attorney says that it created an appearance of impropriety. Um, And he paints the notes as something sinister and conspiratorial. So these institutions, insinuations, infuriated the judge. And then the judge responded that he thinks that Trump's lawyer is misogynistic because of the way he keeps referring to his female law clerk. Just to give you an idea of this judge, 
Okay. So he's throwing out all of the like, oh, well, I think you're misogynistic. And because of that, we're not going to allow you to critique my law clerk or the fact that we're passing notes. Um, we're not going to allow you to say uh, that you think that there's um, impropriety here. Sorry, you're not allowed to do that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Like every single part of this case. Okay. And then here's Letitia James, right? Letitia James alleges a decade long scheme by Trump and his two sons and the Trump organization to inflate his net worth to get various financial perks, including tax benefits and better loan terms. Again, going back to that question, who is the victim of this year? Uh, James is seeking $250 million in damages and wants to bar Trump from running another business in New York. Engeron has already found the defendants liable for fraudulent fraudulently misstating the values of real estate properties and other assets on financial records. So uh, basically in the court system as well, like they severely undervalued the uh, various properties that Donald Trump holds. And many people have been highlighted how ridiculous this is as well. And, and again, let me just highlight the person who has brought forward these charges against Donald Trump, right? Because in the United States, if people do something bad, absolutely bring them, bring them to court. Let's, let's, let's try to figure this out. This is who brought the charges against Donald Trump. This is Letitia James. Okay. Just, this is her. He's called me venomous. We will fight back to your attempt to bring Trumpism to New York City. He's called me disgraceful. called me radical. Listen, yes. we know he's crazy. Yes. We know he doesn't have a sound mind. Yes. We know he's out of control. Yes. We know he's losing it. Yes. We know his days are numbered and we will come together. He's called me a racist. We've got to stand up to an, an administration which is too male, too pale, and too stale. So there you guys go. There's the non-biased, impartial attorney general bringing the charges against Donald Trump. What a freaking joke. And by the way, Donald Trump is gagged from, again, defending himself from these public attacks. Same attorney general is going on Twitter to tweet, Tomorrow, Donald Trump takes the stand in our trial against his fraudulent business. Uh, so you're usually supposed to be presumed innocent until found guilty. Uh, but again, you know, a lot of people like to highlight like the Soviet style, uh, find the man, I'll find you the crime. Kind of seems similar to uh, the New York attorney general in the modern day here, who clearly does not like Donald Trump, who is clearly trying to attack him and doesn't want him running businesses, but clearly hates the man who has made uh, racial state racist statements against him and does not want this man to be able to be in New York at all. Already highlighting like, yep, this guy's a fraud. And uh, I'm going to use my Twitter account and my First Amendment to attack him. And then we're going to gag him and not allow him to defend himself. Uh, here's a statement from uh, one of Trump's attorneys yesterday after the trial. Coming from the judge who has already predetermined that my client committed fraud before we even walked into this courtroom. I'm not here to hear what he has to say. Then why exactly? Am I being paid as an attorney? And why exactly are taxpayer dollars being used in this courtroom? If we don't stop corruption 
in courtrooms where attorneys are gagged, where attorneys are not allowed to say what they need to say to protect their clients' interests. It doesn't matter what your politics are. Everyone has a right in this country to get up and put a defense. I don't care who you are. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can put objections on the record. You have a right to hire a lawyer who can stand up and say something when they see something wrong. Not every American citizen gets a camera and a microphone. And what I'm seeing is such a demise of American judicial system and democracy. So there you guys go again, um, to be honest with you, keeping up with all of Donald Trump's trials for a minute. I was like, this is ridiculous. I know it's all a fraud. I know it's all a scam. But now that we are seeing and again, too, that's why censorship is so weaponized against the American public, because big tech Democrats, people on the left, people who want control of the narrative don't want us to see the videos of Letitia James screaming about how much she hates Donald Trump. They don't want us to see the reality that Trump's attorney is being gagged. Right. And again, she made a very important statement there where she said not everybody has a microphone, not everybody has the popularity of Donald Trump, essentially. All eyes are on this case right now and this trial. But going back to the January 6ers, a lot of those people don't have this publicity. And so we do need to pay very close attention to what's happening to Donald Trump. And I really do feel like he's surging in the polls because people see the blatant miscarriage of justice here. And I hope, I mean, I really don't know. I don't know if I have that much hope in the majority of American citizens, but I do hope that there is a large portion of people who see this and go, okay, yeah, what they're doing to Trump is kind of ridiculous right now. This is political persecution. This is a witch hunt and it's not right. I doubt that many people in the left wing really hold those sentiments sentiments but that's ultimately where this leads to right is they will be sacrificed at the altar of wokeness they will they're they're working against their own fundamental rights and freedoms which the same government they're working for will ultimately take away from them so um again just an idea of what is going on of who is being targeted in america and I highlight the January Sixers as well, because like I said, we really see the parallels of the DOJ, the FBI covering for the very radical in American society, the same people that they have had a direct line in radicalizing, right? They protect those people and then they go after the American citizens who criticize and condemn them. And you speak out against them. Donald Trump right now being, uh, you know, number one. This is what will happen to all of us. Our judicial system, very corrupted. And then take a peek at the narrative as well ahead of 2024. There's been a lot going on in the Middle East regarding Hamas attacking Israel, Hamas being a terrorist group, many people in the United States highlighting how, hey, our, our border is wide open. There could be sleeper cells that are in our own country. Hamas could come and attack the U.S. 
our own government telling us that terrorist attacks could potentially happen ahead of 2024. And then you have the media, again, running control of the narrative. This came out from Salon. They've since deleted this tweet. But we got the screenshots of it, right? Salon wrote, MAGA and Christian nationalism are a bigger threat to America than Hamas could ever be. And why is that? Because similar to what they did in 2020, they have to label everybody who pushes back against them. Again, MAGA Christian. Okay, I really want to drive home those two points because what is the MAGA mentality or the Christian mentality at the end of the day? It's rule of law, it's values, it's morals, it's caring about one's country. It's about being a nationalist, which that word in itself has been weaponized. But it's like, yeah, why wouldn't I care about my nation? Why can't I be proud of my country? It's somebody who believes in God-given rights and freedoms, not given from the government, given from God, right? Uh, You look at the education system. Why do you think it is that the government is teaching kids revisionist history, that the government is not ensuring that every American child fully understands their constitutional rights and freedoms? Because that population would be too free. That population would realize how overreaching the government is. And that population wouldn't want to be controlled. And they wouldn't be easily controlled. So our own DOJ covering for actual domestic terrorists. They did this during BLM 2020 riots. And then targeting the people who speak out against the government corruption. Then you have the media coming in labeling us a bigger threat to America than Hamas, who the world has already been very aware of, are terrorists, like understand what is happening all over again. It happens every single election season. We get relabeled terrorists, and then the DOJ is allowed to come in, and the media is allowed to come in and weaponize that narrative and use it to pit American against American, and we're already seeing it. Um, So this actually is a video from today, because there are elections going on across uh, the United States. And this was in Arlington. This was a progressive, an unhinged progressive, confronting a Republican poll greeter. Okay, and I, this is kind of a long clip, but I want you to pay attention to it in its entirety. And I have a couple of things I'm going to point out here. But pay attention to the rhetoric of this progressive, radicalized white man. Pay attention to what he says about the Republican poll greeter. Okay, because, again, this is the work of the media. This is the work of a government who has said that we are all domestic terrorists because we questioned an election and we questioned election integrity. Something that Democrats have historically done anytime they lose an election. Watch this video. You might have been might as well have been walking up to my head on the way to the polling station, putting a gun to my head, trying to tell me not to vote. You expect me not to take that fucking personally? You fucking try to overthrow elections with violence? And then you're out here among decent people. Thanks for what coming out. What do you have to say that, huh? What and what's on your fucking what's on your fucking uh, uh, your what are your policy prescriptions? Have a nice day. You've already fucking voted. rapist it's rights. Yeah. Involving is... yourself in people's fucking families and their fucking bedrooms. It's pretty wild. You fucking animal. You try to steal my vote next year. I'm gonna fucking remember you personally. Thank you. In fact, I'm taking a fucking picture. Is that all right? Yeah, you Permission? can. Yeah. It's a one-party consent state. Shitbird? Yeah, one-party state. 
You want a fucking one-party country is what you want. Hey, sir, how are you? Headed in to vote? Yeah. Could I get your Republican sample ballot? Sure, thank you. You know, try not to be buddy-buddy with these people because they, they put on a the face of a good neighbor, but they support lynch mobs and the fucking KKK, or they're fucking Bible-beating bigots and freaks. Okay, so a couple of things that I want to note here, starting off at the beginning of that video. What does he immediately say? You try to overthrow elections with violence because the narrative that January 6th was worse than 9-11 is and has been ingrained into every single radical left-wing voter's brain. And again, these are the same people who will attack you on the streets come 2024. What else did he say? He threw out the word racist. He said that this guy was an animal. He said that he was a part of the KKK, right? We, we see all of the buzzwords there. He, this is my favorite part as well. He said, you try to steal my vote. Whose vote was actually stolen back in 2020, my friends? Because there were cut and dry many cases of election interference or people's votes just not being counted. There were entire broadcasts that people did about this in which we were just looking at uh, voting boxes being stuffed full of ballots. Whose vote do you think got stolen? You think that guy's vote got stolen or do you think it maybe got multiplied times 10? It's really funny that he had to say that. And then one of my other favorite parts of this video is he goes up to the other guy that this Republican poll greeter greets and he goes, don't talk to those people. And why is that? Because, again, real life NPC here. Who thinks that he can tell another American who to talk to, who to associate with and what to think. And this individual right here is the perfect example of the government's control of the narrative and the population that they have weaponized and radicalized against the average American who wants their fundamental rights and freedom. So just wanted to highlight that. And why are these types of people in society so important? Because of polls like this. Now, this is from the New York Times, okay? The New York Times put out this poll, and uh, apparently there's a big polling problems Facing Joe Biden, all right? Biden's support among non-white voters dropped 33 points compared to 2020. The more diverse a state, the worst Biden does. Biden's lead among Hispanics is in single digits in the six swing states polled, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. With Democrats typically winning among Hispanics by 30 plus points. Now, it's been really interesting to see because like I said to you too, you have a lot of political strategists that are, are, are starting to sweat now. They're starting to realize that the American people hate Joe Biden, that he doesn't represent the people, that even their most loyal voters or, you know, the minority basis that they would typically depend upon are turning on the Democrats because of how horrific this country is going. And again, here is that um, New York Times poll that Trump is leading Biden in five of six swing states. 71% said Biden was too old, including 54% of Biden's supporters. Only 39% of those voters felt the same about Trump. And uh, I think that's fair. We've seen video of Joe Biden time and time again, mumbling and stumbling around. He has no idea what's going on. He does not have his hand on the pulse of what the American people want. It's hilarious too, right? It's like, uh, for example, 
anytime <laughs> anytime the economy's tanking, he'll be like, hey, let's talk about how it's lesbian visibility day. And everyone's like, what the hell? Our country's in flames. The border's overrun. And he's like, hey, let's send another billion dollars to Ukraine to go help secure their border. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> Can you help us? We're kind of struggling over here. So Biden absolutely tanking right now. I'm going to play a couple clips for you here as well from the mainstream media who is realizing how badly Biden is polling with the American people. And again, I do think a big part of it, this is the fact that Donald Trump is being politically persecuted right now. I think that that has resonated with a lot of Americans who genuinely, like from his mugshot alone, was like, I feel like that alone gives uh, Donald Trump like the street cred and gives us permission to talk about him again. I, I said this when the that mugshot first came out. I was like, this is going to give permission to a lot of people who typically would never talk about Donald Trump to talk about Donald Trump again. In a joking manner. I mean, people were making TikToks about it. People were like, okay, they, they were uh, like, for example, back in the early 2000s, it was like Donald Trump's name was in every rapper's song. He was very much part of the culture, very normalized to like Donald Trump. And then we saw the entire smear campaign happen for four years during his presidency. And I feel like the mugshot came out and it kind of like humanized him to a lot of Americans. And a lot of Americans just realized how ridiculous him being uh, persecuted politically and going through all these indictments and how out of control this administration is and how they're focusing like from a base level all of their time and energy on indicting Donald Trump when our own economy is imploding when the average American genuinely just like can't pay their bills. So uh, again, Donald Trump currently leading in five of the six most important battleground states. You have a lot of mainstream media networks who are saying things like this. The New York Times in the write about it says, in a remarkable sign of a gradual racial realignment between the two parties, the more diverse the swing state, the farther Mr. Biden was behind. And he led only in the whitest of six. Interesting. Let's keep going. This is probably going to lead to a lot of Democrats increasing the chatter that Joe Biden should step aside and, and, and make room for another Democrat. And I think the problem that Democrats have is they don't know who that Democrat would be right now. I don't think that uh, people look at Kamala Harris and feel like she is ready to take that step forward. They look across the rest of the party, governors, senators, mayors, House members, and they're struggling to figure out who they could put up if it's not Joe Biden. And so I think the reality is Democrats are probably going to run Joe Biden. So there you guys go. We said it before as well. The reason why they are coming after Donald Trump is not only are they trying to break his spirit, not only are they trying to send a message to the American people and break our spirit and make us feel ostracized and alone and attacked and like we don't have rights and freedoms anymore. But on top of that, Joe Biden is tanking in the polls and the average American is really feeling the impact of the bad policy. Now, since I have been gone, we also elected a new Speaker of the House. It is now Mike Johnson. And uh, I'm disappointed because the first bill that he said he was going to bring to the floor was in support of Israel. Now, I've said this before. I'm not going to pretend to be a geopolitical savant in any way, shape or form and understand the decades long war between Palestine decades. <clears throat> centuries-long holy war between Israel and Palestine here, but from a base in America first level, why is it that the first bill that this speaker brought to the floor was in support of another country when our own American citizens are struggling every single day? 
So um, they tried to pass a $14.3 billion aid package to Israel, which many people are speculating is going to be struck down by the Democrat-ruled Senate. And uh, the funny part about that, too, is it's because that package didn't include aid to Ukraine, which we've already sent what over $100 billion to Ukraine, an entire an entire other just like money laundering operation here that our government officials have been profiting off of while the American people suffer. Uh, One of the GOP presidential candidates, Nikki Haley, says, mark my words, those who would abandon Ukraine today are at risk of abandoning Israel tomorrow. They've lost sight of who our friends are, who our enemies are, who is good and who is evil. And again, too, many people have talked about the uh, Ukraine-Russia war, how From a base level standpoint, there is no way that Ukraine can win that war. How Russia has already essentially taken over the land that they wanted to take over. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy made a really important point here to hear that Putin is bad doesn't mean that Ukraine is good. Ukraine has banned 11 opposition parties and consolidated all TV into one state broadcaster. It is corrupt. Meanwhile, most of the occupied regions in the Donbass are Russian speaking and haven't voted in Ukrainian parliamentary elections for nearly a decade so again the the people in the area that russia was trying to take over were like russian speaking they wanted to be a part of russia they didn't want to be a part of ukraine ukraine cannot win this war russia has millions of more people to fight against ukraine and ukraine is just continuing to ask us for more and more money we shouldn't send another dime to Ukraine. Vivek goes on to say, and need to negotiate a deal with Russia that weakens its alliance with China. Say hell no to U.S. involvement in another foreign war. So this is the Ukraine angle and aspect of this. Uh, you also had a top aide to President Zelensky telling Time magazine that there's corruption at the highest levels of the Ukrainian government. Quote, people are stealing like there's no tomorrow. So I hope you guys see what is happening here and get very angry with the fact that we've had billions of dollars laundered to Ukraine and that we are going to be paying for for that and that's why everything sucks over here in our country. Jack Basovic tweeted this out today. Advisor to head of Ukrainian military killed with hand grenade disguised as a birthday present comes as military head openly criticized Zelensky's handling of the war. The president was vodka glasses shaped like grenades, but one of the grenades is real. So again, going back to Vivek's criticism of uh, Zelensky saying, hey, this guy's corrupt. Um, there's just some breaking news that a Ukrainian military head pushed back against Zelensky, and then he died. And again, going into the Israel aspect of this thing, I don't think we should be sending more foreign aid overseas. Israel looks like it's having a fine time defending itself because Gaza is absolutely leveled. I've seen the footage that's come out of there. Looks like Israel has not had a problem defending itself. And I do agree. Yeah, Hamas attacked Israel, so Israel should have the right to defend themselves. And they've killed a lot of freaking people in Palestine. Gaza has been leveled. So I think Israel's having a fine time over there. Why do we need to send more of our American taxpayer dollars over there when we should be sending those same dollars to secure our border? If you're really worried about Hamas, maybe we should be focused in on the fact that our border is wide open for Hamas terrorists to come right on in. Maybe we should be focusing on the fact that Islam is not the religion of peace. And you have people in the streets of the United States of America that are marching for Islam, that are waving Palestinian flags on the capital of our nation. When BLM flags were raised uh, in place of the American flag, it pissed me off. And now Palestinians are doing the exact same thing at our nation's capital. Pisses me off every single time. Maybe we should be focusing in on that issue instead of, again, sending billions of dollars overseas. 
by the way, here's a video from a veteran, another kind of longer video, but we're going to watch it because who is really affected when we go to war? It is the American men, by the way, who have to go fight in these foreign wars that are endless that suffer. And people are making so many jokes too right now because the military is putting out advertisements and gone are the LGBTQ diversity hires in every advertisement gone are the lesbian couples gone are the uh you know the transgender visibility person in the advertisement now it's all white men right it's it's very like masculine it's very it's just, it's funny because it's very white everyone's like wow uh the advertisements for the american military is now just all white men 10 out of 10 we're going to war just kind of like funny observation people were making there uh, but this is a very sad video of what our own veterans not only are experiencing every day in the united states because we care more about taking care of foreign countries than we do our own american citizens and veterans but also the reality of war and what happens to american men when they do come back from war so here's um an American veteran who is basically talking about the VA and talking about how he needs help with his mental health because of what he's been through. And this has been his experience. And he didn't expect that. Seven times, seven times over the course of the last six years, dude, the VA has continued to let me down. I just want some continuity of care with mental health providers. These doctors keep quitting, they keep switching. And then the one doctor that I really liked, who talked me off a of ledge the last time, <laughs> refused. <laughs> I had a split because they fell out of network and then they came back into network. So I went the last two years dealing with my own demons myself <laughs> and trying to hold it together. <laughs> and then come to find out, it's it's like May, May it's like late May, and he denied he denied taking my case back, April fucking twelfth, and I'm just finding out, dude. And now I gotta go back to some new doctor, and then I gotta open Pandora's box again because we're gonna want to know everything, and then I'm gonna have to live through working through that for a month. Okay, so. Again, I watched this video and I know people in the comments are going to be like, oh, this is a grown man. He needs to suck it up and he needs to stop being emotional. Like, no, wrong take to have on that. I'm going to push back against you on that because, again, this is the reality of war. My own grandfather was a Vietnam War vet. There are certain stories that he won't talk about. It's even hard for him to talk about Vietnam still to this day because of what he went through because of, again, the atrocities of war. So for those of you in the chat right now that are like, oh, oh like this grown man's crying. He just needs to suck it up. Have you ever been in a war? I didn't think so. And this is the reality for American men who go to war, which is why I don't want us going to war with Israel, which is why I don't think we should be sending more money to Ukraine and funding that proxy war over there. So um, that's my take on it. And that is the reality of, again, we're seeing two things here. We're seeing the fact that we can't even help our own American veterans in this video and also the realities of war. So prayers to this man. And it's just heartbreaking that this is happening every day and going back to the border aspect as well. Uh, let's take a peek at what's going on in the United States, right? Because our media seems so intent on focusing in on what's happening abroad from Bill Malusian new border patrol unknowingly released an African terrorism suspect into the U S after he was caught crossing illegally into Arizona on October 3rd, one week later, HSI notified ICE that he wanted, he was wanted 
for terroristic activities. ICE then arrested him in New York a couple days later. This means a wanted terror suspect was roaming freely in the U.S. for two weeks after crossing the southern border illegally and was released into the U.S. by Border Patrol, who had no idea about his background in time. And then Bill Malusian puts that press release there. I believe he also put out um, another update today about Yep, an illegal immigrant from Honduras who was released into the U.S. after being apprehended by Border Patrol in Texas in June of 2021 is now being charged with felony rape and abduction by force in Virginia. He was arrested by local police in Fairfax County Jail and didn't honor ICE's detainer request. And then they released him back into the community again without notifying ICE. So... There you guys go. This guy's now in federal custody, but um, that's who's coming across our border every single day. But you guys, or not you guys, but, uh, you know, again, the media wants us all focused in on what's happening across seas. Uh, here's another example of what is still happening every single day at the Texas border. You have federal officials that will lift the razor wire put in place by the state of Texas to allow migrants into the country. This is a group of 300 migrants who were let in in Eagle Pass, Texas, because people are still pouring across the border every single day. And it is just absolutely horrific to me that we are not solving these problems. This is why the United States of America is in the state that it is. And again, I'm just going to go ahead and tie this back to the beginning of this show, which, you know, we were highlighting that trans manifesto. Uh, here's an American citizen talking about Marxism in America and how the education system is utilized to indoctrinate the next generation. And then the next generation thinks these ideals are great. And then they they don't understand, again, their fundamental rights and freedoms. And that's why we're losing our country right now. That's why we have people that are cheering on the political persecution of Donald Trump. Whether you love or hate the man, it is ridiculous that that is going on right now. And it should be a huge warning sign to all Americans of what can happen to each and every single one of us. If the government so chooses for that to happen. So, um, Let's go ahead and end the show with this. Thank you guys for sticking with me. This was a long episode because I haven't been with you guys for a while. But I wanted to give you, like again, that full encapsulation of what our DOJ is covering up and who they're targeting and the narrative that the media is continuing to push and the propaganda war that we are all being faced with every single day. It's serious what's going on in America because they are indoctrinating students. They're indoctrinating students to go against their parents. And this is Marxism, this is socialism. I'm very familiar with it. And I want everybody to educate themselves. They have taken positions in government. They have taken positions in schools to bring about their ideology. And it's very radical, it's extreme radicalism. I'll give you an example, because I'm black. One way they can spread this, this indoctrination is they'll say, well, that's anti-black or you're being racist, but I know what Marxism is. I know what socialism is, and they will hide it under a guise. Well, we're going to teach first graders about sex, and we're going to do this because this is about equal rights, but it's not its not about equal rights. Socialist Marxism, they'll see it's right here on these universities, and its in, they started in the private schools, and now they're, they're going to the charter schools, and they're going to the public schools, and they're teaching, like in socialist countries, to be spies, so we spy on each other. Don't tell your parents. Trust the teachers. Don't trust your parents. Your parents have to take. 
So there you guys go. I really enjoyed that analysis of, again, modern day America. And uh, like I said, too, that's just kind of the highlighting of how the youth are subverted, how we are, you know, uh, my dad actually recently bought me this quote for it's a picture of a quote from Ronald Reagan that basically says, like, you know, we're basically one generation away from having our freedoms removed if the ideals of what freedom are, are not instilled in that generation. I'm absolutely butchering that quote, but it's a beautiful quote because it's so true. And it's why the government does target our youth. It's why the government does kind of cover up for a lot of these more dangerous ideologies or when I say dangerous, I mean like dangerous to the foundations and fundamentals of American rights and freedoms. So, um, that's all I got for you guys today. Thank you guys so much for uh, tuning into another episode. I really appreciate you all being here and I will see you guys next time.